Hi everyone, this is Michele Graglia. This is Marianne Hogan. Hi, I'm Adrian McDonald. I'm Katie Asmith. Hi, this is Anthony Gasols. Hi, my name is Meg Morgan. This is Ryan Van Duzer, and you are listening to the Gotta Run Racing Podcast. everyone, we are back with another Gutter Run podcast. What's happening in the world of ultra running? This past weekend, we had two Canadians on top of the podium at Hurt 100 in Hawaii. That's right. Ihor Veras won the men's and Andrea Taras won the women's. Wow. With incredible times too. Andrea broke the record, I believe, and she came in the top 10. That's incredible. Hurt is not an easy course. Damn right it's not. We have chatted with several runners who've done hurt, and they're still hurting. <laughs> you got it. Well, congrats to those two. Greg, congrats to Canadian Ultra Running. Woo, I love it. And what's happened with our events? Well, registration's now open for the Island Lake Classic on Labor Day Monday, and the Lost Treasure Trail Race in Mansfield in May, and Rainbow Trail Race is soon to follow. I'm working on that this weekend. Well... Things are open, so come on over and register. We'd love to have you there. Absolutely. And who's on the podcast today? Today we have Tanya Carmona. She's 37. She was born and raised in Mexico, now living in Glasgow. She's a self-proclaimed non-runner, but has completed over 20 ultramarathons, <laughs> from 50K to 100 miles, stage races, etc. And this year, she's set to take on one of the most extreme feats in ultra running by racing across five deserts in 12 months while raising money for children in Mexico. The company that puts on this event is called Racing the Planet, and she's aiming to be the first Mexican female to complete it. First Mexican, I believe. And those five races are in Namibia, Gobi, Jordan, Antarctica, and Chile. And each one is 250 kilometers, and they're all self-supported. So she wants to complete these five deserts within a year span. Right. Including... Antarctica, yes, which is not easy to get to. Not at all. <laughs> On top of that, she's an endurance coach, and her company's called Run Strong Coaching. She and her husband just started a brand new podcast called the Ultra Happy Podcast, which is documenting her adventures. So be sure to check that out. Well, that's going to definitely be in our show notes. But without further ado, here is Tanya coming up. Tanya, I understand. I understand you were born in Mexico. You went yeah. to high school in Canada, university in the U.S., and now you live in Glasgow. What a whirlwind! Oh my goodness! I, know, right? I started. I started my globe trotting life pretty early. <laughs> now, life. where in Canada? I studied high school in British Columbia in Victoria. Oh, in beautiful. The you picked a nice spot. <laughs> it was really quiet and it was not a lot going on. It's beautiful, but it's very calm, very safe. And when I picked, I wanted to live somewhere else. My parents were like, okay, let's just go and pick a place that is not too wild. You know, because I was still like, <laughs> like 15, like 13, 12 years old. So my parents were like, yeah, let's pick somewhere that is not, you know, not a big city or anything. Even though on the weekend, we'll take the Wii Ferry across to Vancouver but you know like you still live in Victoria which was super super nice quiet town so what what uh, were your options 
pretty much that. It was like, <laughs> oh no, hold on, Quebec and Montreal, like the other side. Okay. But that was in French. And I don't know if I loved the idea of a totally different language. And just, I just thought, I just want something in English, I think. And it was the option of Vancouver or Victoria. And then my parents just pretty much decided there. I think Victoria for now, like I said, it was so small. So I'm sure you figured out that most Canadians go there to retire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it was lovely because I had really nice homes because there's people that obviously host students and there was usually elderly people, elderly, and then they were like really nice. They were treating me obviously that, you know, her daughter or, you know, they had really, really big homes because they, that used to be their family home or whatever. And now they were just by themselves. I had to, I stayed in two homes that they were just grandmas that they were just there oh. by themselves. So they really appreciated the company and it was good for me as well to just see that. <laughs> And your accent freaks me out because I watched your first podcast and at first, okay, I can hear the Spanish. Then all of a sudden, I think you said we or or something. And I'm like, oh my gosh. That's a coming out. It's wild. I love it. Like there's some Mexican, I know, like when I travel now around, obviously we, we love traveling and stuff and people can put the finger on where are you guys from? Like what is... What is this? So yeah, <laughs> I love and then it. Anne obviously has also an accent a little bit. So it's just like when people see us, see us around, is trying to trying to figure it out. <laughs> yeah, where are you guys from? So yeah, it's always <laughs> fun. Take your best guess. <laughs> we heard it all. No one would ever get it. <laughs> no one. No one. So far, no. <laughs> well, before we attack this incredible journey, you're going to have this year. Let's go back and tell us, were you always an active child growing up in Mexico? Yeah, yeah. Actually, I, I said that in my first podcast that I I was not an athlete. Well, maybe I was, but back then I just thought I was a kid, you know, I was swimming and I was just having fun with my friends. Like I never thought anything of it, obviously. And then I think at age 12, 13, I just went to the nationals. I really wanted to go to the nationals because I thought, you know, but I wanted to retire. Like I was, very, I know, 12 and retired, but I was so tired because I started swimming since I was four. Oh, wow. So I lived very, very active lifestyle, I think from four to 12 ish, mm -hmm. 13. And it was swimming a lot. I never thought, oh, I'm training hard. Or like I said, I always thought like, oh, I was having fun with my friends and I would used to when it was like double sessions a day, you know, morning and afternoon. For me, it was even more fun. It was like, oh, I can see my friends twice a day. And, you know, I never thought anything of it. But after that time, after when I stopped with age, I guess at 12, 13, there is a plan, like a massive gap until pretty much now. Mm. So mm. there is, yeah, 10 plus years of pretty much nothing. And running was never an option, really. When did it become an option? Tell us that story. It became an option when I'm, I finished my high school and then I finished my, I went back to Mexico. I went back to study my master's in Chicago. And then I go back to Mexico when I finished my studies and everything. And I find myself, you know, alone because it's been a while since I lived home. So, you know, I didn't have any like friends or anything. You kind of like lost touch people living so, so, so long abroad. 
And I seen this like group of runners running around the block. And I was like, I hate running. Like I truly hate running. But you know what? If that's going to put me, you know, to meet people and just get out the door, I'm just going to do it. So that's, that's how I started. I I couldn't even do the whole loop. It was a 3K loop just around Mm -hmm. the block. I couldn't even. That's really, really, really bad. Um, but it was more social, you know, like we used to have go for wings on a Friday and <laughs> the fun stuff. Um, and I don't know why one of the coaches or something, they invited us to a demo class in one of the gyms. And I really, really, really liked the way he was teaching the session. It was a little bit more strengthening, which I've never had been in touch with that in my life. So mm-hmm. I really, really enjoyed the session. Like, oh, it's weights and heavy, heavy lifting. And so I really enjoyed it. And I decided to sign up with, with this coach to work out and, you know, to do the workouts. And I think after that, and then running started becoming easier. Mm-hmm. I was doing the strength training and aerobic and just, and from there, I think that was it. You know, when you're strong physically, obviously your confidence mentally also gets better. And I yes. thought, you know what? I think I seen on Facebook there was a 50k, and I thought, you know what? I'm gonna sign up. <laughs> and let's go. <laughs> and that's pretty much it. How it starts. That from there, everything escalated quickly. <laughs> wow. So, how long after you heard about ultra running did you actually tow the line at an ultra race? Six months. I had six months. <laughs> <laughs> and no, no, of my other running friends knew the word of ultra runner, nothing. We had no idea. I just seen it on Facebook and I thought, hmm, that's a little bit, just a tiny bit longer than a marathon. I've done a marathon before, the Chicago marathon when I was in Chicago. I didn't run it. I pretty much walked it. I did like nine hours. It was so painful and horrible. But I thought, you know what? I was in a really bad shape or like physically and I was able to Mm. uh, complete it. I thought, this is just a tiny bit longer and I'm way Mm. more fit than back in that time because I've been working out you know, right. with these coaches and mm-hmm. from actually from when I started training and seeing this race because I seen the race and I was like I'm going to go to these coaches and start training for that it was six months wow, wow. was it a road or a trail trail race? trail 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 trails I, I realized that I liked a little bit more trails than roads since then and how did that first very first one go oh it was so much fun because I was <laughs> just pretty much walking and trotting along with two people that I met along the route that they were just there as well. It was, it was fun. Like I never thought, oh my God, I I never felt like I felt in a marathon. I was like, oh my God, this is so painful and horrible. And my feet are on fire. And this one was not, we're just walking up the uphills, trotting the downs. Probably did, I think nine hours. And now that I see the route and the times and everything, that was not bad because it was like in an altitude and it was really, really high points and like a lot of uh, climbing to do. And I'm like, I don't know how I did that. Like, actually that was pretty decent for that time. <laughs> probably could not do that right now, but it was, it was fun. And I think that, that kind of captured me and I said, okay, I didn't, I didn't die. <laughs> and then I think two months later, I signed up for a 60 and then my first 50 miler and so on, so on. That's when it started. I know. Now, it took a few attempts to get your first buckle, right? First 100 mile buckle. 
a few attempts, but you got it at the White Horse 100 last year. Congratulations. Thank you so much. What, what's the story behind the White Horses in this race? Because we checked out the website and it, it sounds like there's some kind of horses on the course or what's the story there? I know there's no like actual horses. You know, what have you seen online that there's drawings that supposedly UFOs draw, draw in yes. hills, right? Yeah. It's sort of the idea, but there are horses. And I don't really know the story, why they are in this particular area. That's probably very stupid because I should know. But there is, I don't know, but there's beautiful horses. There's a massive hill and you can see a big, big horse just drawn in the in the field. And there wow. are different sizes, different kind of drawing. There's some are really tiny, some are really big. Sadly, I think I just seen two. Of the 10. <laughs> the other ones, I have no idea. And the other half, they did mention you're going to probably go through them at night. So mm. you won't. But the other beds, I think I just seen two, really. But that's the story. I'm not sure. And then there is another historic site that we passed through that is look that looks like Stonehenge. I don't know oh. if you know like the story yeah. of those. I didn't know until I start, you know, going through the route running and then I seen these massive stones just in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And you know, and I was like, okay, so that's that's the area. I did research and there was a lot of those UFO things, you know, that they something the next day. And then I was telling Auntie, my husband, like, oh my God, what if I'm in the middle of the race and in a field and I'm like crossing there and then I'm gonna start seeing like a UFO. Just <laughs> like I was very scared about that. But yeah, everything went went okay. There was I was not abducted, or I did not see any UFO. But very sadly, probably. <laughs> Maybe they saw you. <laughs> and I was like, "Don't mess up with me." I I didn't look very good, probably at that point. So they would have been very scared. <laughs> well, you may that may have been a, a hallucination had you seen it, mm-hmm. or your hallucinations are going to be coming up this year. At one point. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> the good thing about this ones that we're, we're doing this year is you do sleep. But they are not non, non-stop. My idea is that I use this training, let's say this challenge of this year as a training block for the next year. Do one that is definitely will have hallucinations in that <laughs> one. Because <laughs> that one will be a non-stop 250. Cocodona, right? Cocodona, I am really excited. Like, I want to do that race. So I thought, I don't think I'm ready to go and shoot for that one because a mm. hundred took me like three years, four years to get it right. And as you know, there's it's not only the running, it's more the mental side, and then just even the right picking the right ray. Like, there's so many components I have to sync the same. Yeah. You're able to to complete it. So I know I wasn't 100% sure if I was ready mentally, physically for that because pushing, I mean, two days I did, or like let's say a day and a half that I did a hundred miler. I'm not sure if I can do that five days in a row. <laughs> <laughs> well, that would be a little bit, you know, I don't, I'm not, I don't have a lot of experience in doing like back to back, back to back, back to back. Right, right. <laughs> so that's why I thought mm, maybe stage races is a great controlled atmosphere to get that practice of back-to-back experience you know mm-hmm. yes you do have a rest in the middle of the night but i mean the next day you have to wake up and 
and and do it, you know, do the same, you know, do a hard effort as well. So that's sort of why I'm doing this challenge this year. Just plus, I just seen it. It looked amazing. And, you know, there's a lot of stakes. If I finish it, I'll be the first Mexican, the second youngest female to do it. So I thought, you know what? It looks fun. It's all over the world. Get to travel a little bit. Yeah. And then give it as a really good training block for, for the next race or, or objective that I want. Very mm. smart. Back at the White Horse 100 miler, you finished with just 30 minutes to spare, but did you ever have doubt along the way that you're just not going to make it? Or did you feel that? A lot of doubt. <laughs> Since mile 70, I was like, I'm out. This is not going to happen. Oh. I'm not going to make it. Because I could start seeing the checkpoints getting tighter and tighter and tighter and tighter every time. But the first checkpoints is that you get there with hour and a half to spare. So mm-hmm. you're... Hey, and the next one is like 40 minutes and the next one is half an hour and the next one is 20 minutes and the last one I barely made it with five minutes which you will hear about it in today's podcast actually <laughs> <laughs> funny funny story about that I was like I have no time for no I had to just go in and now because I that was the last one and I just barely barely made it because yeah, it was with like five minutes to spare. So I needed to get in and out of the checkpoint. So I was fighting till the last minute, the last minute. And then they were like, well, you need to hurry up because you still have 15K, 20K, 15K, 20K to the finish. It is a little bit of a hilly bit to go and you only have three hours. So Eesh. you do, like I remember the guy was, I was filling my water in those five minutes and the guy in the checkpoint so funny. Like I was like a fighter in my face. Like you need to run. You need to run this bed. Okay. Like (laughs) he was like so excited for me. He was like trying to, you can't walk anymore. Like you walk the uphills like really fast and you need to run because you're you're really tight. Like like, I was so tired. I was so broken. Like, I don't know how I'm going to do this seriously, but okay. And so, yeah, we, we sprint out and, yeah just the, the last 10k I was like constantly looking at my watch because I knew I had the time against me and I kept tripping and kept because I was already feeling very pressured and like getting lost and is here I don't know in Canada but here is like very much self-navigation mm. so you have to be very smart and it's open fields like grass and you do have to be very smart with your watch and I failed already a hundred times before. I was already bleeding from jumping barbed wire. Like I was such an an A shape at that point. And I was 15 kilometers to go. And then I would keep tripping and making mistakes because I was constantly looking at my watch. And I was, you know what? I'm going to stop looking at the watch because it's not, you know, it's not helping me. So I'm just going to stop. I think it was kilometer 10 because I seen it. I was like, I have 10 kilometers to go. That's it. This is the last time you're going to look at your watch. I just changed, you know, the, the face of the watch to the map. I'm just going to concentrate and get into the end. And I just said, I'm going to do my best. If it happens, it happens. And if not, so be it. But I need to make my best because I don't want to get to the end and then be like, oh, 32 hours and one minute. You know, like that's all I was thinking. I was like, I swear to God, I think I'm just going to die if that happens to me. So I was trying to do my best. It's like, this is the 10 kilometers more important, the most important 10K you've ever run in your life. Like, just, just put, like, come on, you can do this. I was just so, you know, so, and then when I run through the corner of the, 
it's a field, like a soccer field where you arrive. And I was like, okay, this is a time of truth. I heard some people clapping, but I was like, I wasn't sure if they were clapping. Oh, sorry, she didn't make it. Or <laughs> actually I made it. So it was a little bit like, okay, it's a moment of truth. So I just changed my watch to see the timing and just 30 minutes to spare. And I was like, that's the moment. Until that moment, I knew I had made it. So I absolutely like broke in tears. I was like, I can't, I can't, I can't imagine I, I actually made this. <laughs> It was a very, very exciting couple of the last thing. k were very exciting, I think. <laughs> I was just driven by fear and nervousness. And like, <laughs> I was so broken, but I, all I can remember, it was just survival mode at that point. Like I don't, all the pain and discomfort I was feeling before that, it just disappeared. I was just let's just go 10 kilometers you fought already you know 150 you you can't you can't just let it go just now just no of course not well you did it <laughs> yeah and i was like after three attempts man like you have to like you've come so far now <laughs> well big congrats because i do know what the golden hour feels like Yes. Oh, man. That is. And we're all running for our lives. (laughs) (laughs) All running for our lives, literally. (laughs) Have you ever considered running an ultra in Mexico? Have you looked at those races? Yeah. I did a couple when obviously when I started running. But now there are so many now. Mm -hmm. Well, I think everywhere kind of grew so much the sport in last. So I've been running for eight years. So yeah, in these eight years, it has absolutely exploded. When I left Mexico, there was just very, very few events. And I did them, not all, but some of them. And now that I look at the Mexican website, there's so many and like almost every weekend. It's insane. So yeah, I, I haven't. But right now, I don't even want to look because I have like so many to do at the moment. Like, I'm like, I don't wanna, I don't even want to see. Like, I'm totally full <laughs> this year. I'm probably until next yeah, year. Yeah, definitely. If you're going to do Coca-Dona. Absolutely. With the races, isn't it? Because there's so many. For, yeah, I would love to do them all, but, you know, it's a sport, sadly, that you cannot do. It's not like golf or tennis that you can go, you know, and try a different court, a different place, or a different game every weekend. Yeah. It's it's a sport that obviously takes a lot out of you, and you cannot do, you know, more than maybe I wouldn't even recommend more than three or four a year. No, you know? for sure. The only one that we know is the Copper Canyon. Oh, I know. It's in my list and I think I need to do it because obviously there's, it's, it has so much history, isn't it? <laughs> on it? So I think everyone, everyone read that book and turned into an ultra runner after reading that book. <laughs> so yeah, I didn't know about that book until I moved here and I read it and all that. So I missed the chance to do it when I was living there. But yeah, definitely. I know which one you're saying. Yeah. Caballo Blanc. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, let's move on to your big challenge this year. So just to recap, it's the five deserts in 12 months. You have Namibia in this April, Gobi in June, Jordan in September, Antarctica November, and then Chile in March. Yes. And they're all 250K and they're in stages, which is, like you said, a great way to prepare for Cocodona, but we wanted to talk to you before you went on this challenge because normally we talk to people after they've done big, amazing things. I think come back. Well, that's just it. We thought it would be fun. We could have little check-ins with you after each event and then another post-podcast to recap everything. So that's why we're talking with you today. 
But where did you first hear about this, this racing the planet? I was just looking for stage races because I did Jordan last year, uh, Ultra X Jordan. It's a big company here in the UK and they do it around the world. And it's much like a VIP holiday, running holiday, the right. Ultra X. And I really enjoy it. I just, I wanted to just to see what was the stage race and what was the feel like it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if I love that. To be honest, like I, I, I don't know if I love stage racing. It's it is. I like better the rolling of a non-stop event. Mm. You know when it breaks you to the core, and the stage race is like you. Yeah, you suffer a little bit, but then you can go sleep, recover, da, 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 and then you 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 go again. So mm, I don't know. I wasn't in love with it. So I seen. Coco Donut to 50. I was definitely I need to do that. So I had to go backwards to say I need to train back to backs for a while. Mm-hmm. So I thought, oh, the stage race I did, it would be an excellent way to train and then to get better at walking because I'm really bad at walking. Mm-hmm. Like I'm really slow at walking. And for these kind of distances, you have to be a really good hiker. Yes. So I wanted to practice a little bit of my hiking and all that. And I thought, you know what, maybe another stage race would would help. Mm-hmm. I think I really, Jordan was really helpful in that sense. So I thought, okay, so I started, you know, Googling and looking for stages, stage races. And this one is one of the big ones with a lot of history and a lot of, you know, so I seen one, thought, oh, you know, I was looking at the options that they had in the website and all that. And then I seen obviously like, hey, but if you do the five for them, <laughs> and then if you do them in one year you know there's different levels you can do you can do the five ones in different years and you still go a grand slam right you can take 10 years if you want and there is the grand slam in one year which is only four and there's this grand slam plus which is the five in a year so i thought why not that's <laughs> <Sounds> fun <laughs> And that's that's how it that's how the idea came. So yeah, it's not like I was researching these races; it's just just kind of crossed my path. And it was a pretty quick decision, by the sounds of it, too. <laughs> it was very fast. I was like, "Yep, that's it. I'm have my eyes on 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 the next year." So not this year, but like next year, like eyes on the prize. I definitely want to do it to fifty next year. So this will be like great preparation. So I need to start working on that. <laughs> Are you one of those? registrants that register for a race after a few bottles of wine and then three o'clock in the morning not too sure (laughs) (laughs) and then the next day what did i do hey guys if you like what you're hearing so far then check this out calling all trail runners to come on out to mansfield ontario this may the lost treasure trail race features both the 5 and 10k on the beautiful trails of the mansfield outdoor center As the story goes, the American outlaw Jesse James buried a barrel full of gold coins stolen from a train on his relative's property somewhere in the hills of Malmer. You'll earn your very own coin medal when you cross the finish line. Registration is now open. For more info, go to gotterunracing.com. Now back to Jody and Norm. The worst part is I do it sober, all these decisions. That's even even worse. (laughs) I don't have any excuse for this madness. <laughs> you know, you can put it like, oh, you can give this excuse like, oh, I was, you know, I had a glass of half wine or whatever. And, yeah, no, I don't even drink. So that's really 
Before wow. my decision is over. <laughs> now, these stage races, do they stop and start in the same place and you keep going? Or do they move you around to get to different sections to accumulate? To you move around. Mm-hmm. I think it's a point to point. So you are moving around. And that's why you have to carry your own stuff. So you're carrying... Oh, that's another point that to mention. You do carry everything you need, like your food. The only thing that they provide is water. So there are water stations and a tent at the end of the, or, you know, at the, at the point where you have to arrive each day. Mm-hmm. They do one of those TP kind of camp things. Yeah. And that, but you have to carry your sleeping bag and your food and your gear and, you know, everything pretty much. And then obviously no shower, no nothing. That's okay. <laughs> You're an ultra runner. You know better. I'm practicing since now. (laughs) The sand will clean you off. Wait there, so I don't need it. (laughs) How the heck are you training in Glasgow from desert running? Please tell us. (laughs) I want to know. I want to know too, because I have no idea. I'll let you know how that goes. (laughs) (laughs) To be honest, I've I've been training consistently for eight years now. Mm-hmm. I haven't had any setbacks. I don't have any injuries, nothing for a year. So I've been been able to build sustainably and really nice, you know, year by year, I kind of like keep stacking things up. Mm-hmm. So I don't feel like I really needed to build really that much this time, just maybe a little bit. I'm trying to bulk up a little bit. So right now I'm probably one of my heaviest I've been mm-hmm. in the sense of muscle and weight and everything because that's much that's more of what I'm preparing for because each race is going to just shred you to pieces. Yeah. And I don't have time in between races to build up again anything pretty much. I have three, four weeks. Yeah. So it's pretty much recovering goal. So nutrition and my trainer, I'm a coach, but I still have a coach, and that's the plan to sort of like get me to the first one maybe a little bit heavier, maybe like really, really, you know, as much muscle as I can to just be able to sustain the five hits that the next year will bring. So that's that's the plan. Training-wise, just to get there as fit as I can, because really there's no way here that I can practice that. I am way too early right now to practice the specificity in my training, mm-hmm. but I do have some time of sauna, sauna sessions okay. after running a couple of 20, 50 minutes. I do it now just for the fun because it's really cold here. So it feels really toasted to go in. But as in like really, really training, it would be way, way much later in, in the session. Right. Just now, just really pretty much focusing and get as, as fit and as strong as I can be. Cause if you're fit, you know, and strong, and that's it. You, you'll be able to endure whatever, whatever the the race brings. Absolutely. Which desert are you most looking forward to? <sighs> All of that. <laughs> Nambia, the first one. I've seen the videos. I mean, I've been just again. I, I don't know. I just look in the videos of the website and the videos that they keep posting. And uh, Nambia looks amazing. It has like a pink lake because of the salt mm. or something like that. Yeah. It's like pink. It looks cute. We love pink. So there's a pink lakes or something. Antarctica, obviously, I'm super excited, like running with the penguins again for the pictures that I've seen and the beer. Like I'm really excited for that one. And I'm scared about Chile because everyone's been saying that that one is absolutely the most difficult one because it's in really high altitude. Mm-hmm. One that I say, oh, 
chiles in it and they're like, oh yeah, that one's a hard one or or the kombucha that had with people that have done them all, they're like, definitely chile is the hardest one. Right. So mm. care for that one. But thank God it's the last one. So <laughs> I'll be fine by then. I'll be like a total team by then. <laughs> the only way to get to Antarctica is that you have to complete two other deserts first. Is that right? Yeah. Wow. That is correct. Yeah, that was the only one that has a like a classification. Like you need to be proof that you've done two before. It doesn't need to be a thing in the year. Obviously, you can do them mm. in different years. So if you want to do Antarctica, yeah, you can do one this year, one the other one, and then the third year or later, you can try the Antarctica one. Mm. Well, that's smart because they they want to make sure that you have some experience with, with yeah. whole different. Even though it's like so different, like I don't think it would matter sure i don't know because they're so different <laughs> oh i know how i'm going to pack for this or i know what wear or was uh, you know the clothes i'm going to wear you know because it's totally different so it doesn't <laughs> fitness wise but everything else i'm gonna pack differently yeah wear differently eat differently probably like it just is gonna be so much so much different yeah that's true when you complete this, and you will, <laughs> how are you going to be able to top this? Oh, Coco, don't have to 50. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. It's good to know for Air Viper. <laughs> oh, man, I will definitely, that will definitely top it. I, that, like I said, that's my main, that's, that's what I'm shooting for. Mm. This is just giving these five good training runs on the way there. Like, I'm really, really excited for that. I think it will be a really good training block. <laughs> I guess so. A good one-year training block for that. You know, we have a 200-miler in Canada now. Have you? Yeah. Is it? Oh, you can send me the link. You can look at it. I think I'm just in love with, yeah, with the Cocodona. Like, I've seen the pictures and some videos and documentaries, and I'm just, you know, one of those that I need to have it. I need to be there, and I need to have that tattoo. So, yeah. <laughs> well, if, if you're looking for pacers. Yeah. You guys come. Absolutely. Yeah, we do. Yeah. I think it's four. And the hard part is, I think, well, I think they are out of iPad are quite open to, doesn't yeah, matter if they can do 20 or 10 or whatever. So, yeah, exactly. Doesn't matter. Because I've heard another 200 milers, you do, your crew has to do at least mm -hmm. a 30 miler, like a 50K chunks of that. So I was like, it would be really hard to find. Three people or five that want to do a 50k just no problem just for the we'll fun come. of it. We'll, we'll, we'll do it. <laughs> Sign us up. Okay, guys. Let's do this. So next year, uh, I don't know when is it? May. It's oh. in May. In May. That's it. Write it down because we are definitely there. I'm not putting, I'm not going through all this to not go. <laughs> exactly. Like, definitely. I'm going. Now, you're also supporting a charity through this adventure. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, it's a charity it's called Semilla Durango, and it's a home that is supporting kids, indigenous kids in, you know, poverty and really bad background. And sometimes the families go and leave the kids there because they are in so poverty that they cannot even take care of their kids. So it's just so, I can't imagine in what place you need to go be to leave your son because you can't feed him. Yeah. So that just broke my heart. And I think most of kids, you know, like they're not, you know, they can't do anything to help their situation, really. They're just mm -hmm. kids. And I, and then when I was running Jordan, actually, I was thinking, 
we were, we're, we're obviously sleeping in the ground, in the dust, in the muds, in the desert there, eating really few fruits or just really your quantity that you had, you know, living those circumstances. And you're like thinking, there's people that live like this every day. This is their life. I'm here just for choice. And I'm actually like, tomorrow, five days later, I'm going to go to my hotel, order room service, which I did, go to the spa, get a massage, which I did. But there's people that, that they, they live like this and they don't have a choice. So I thought I thought it would be, I usually don't run for any charities or anything because I feel a little bit pressured and I don't like to be asking people for money for three seconds, you know, like, yeah, yeah. It will, I will be very, very annoying. <laughs> but um, in this one, I thought, you know what, I haven't done anything like this in years, I think five years, six years, and I never raised money. But I thought this one is, it's big, it's impactful. I'm obviously running, representing Mexico. In this case, I'll be the first Mexican to do it. So I thought, you know what, let's put, we're making a little bit of history and we should do it with, with an impact or an awareness. That's mm. awesome. That's really, really great. And where can our listeners find this charity or how do we sp- support you here well same in my in my instagram is at semillas durango yes but as you, you probably just see it in my website or in my instagram and yeah i'm tagging them on on the posts and stuff okay. and okay. there as well and it's a gofundme page so because obviously okay. they don't in mexico we don't have you know they don't have direct link obviously right. so i had to do it on my name and then but i will i'll give yeah, the invoice and everything i'll show where all the money is it's going to go to. Amazing. It's actually funny because we just, uh, the kids just started doing athletics. They just got mm-hmm. together and they're starting to run and they're enjoying it. And I thought that is so cute, you know, and it's just, and they're helping them to kind of like the son of the, of the, of the woman that is running the whole thing is helping them and like training them to run. So I thought, oh, that, how convenient, like seriously. And they're just realizing like they can, Maybe clear their mind of their circumstances that are not maybe the best through running. So, of I course. Thought, mm-hmm. So that's what I was like. I'm sold. You're the one. <laughs> You'll have to send them updates after you do each desert. The kids would love to hear about that, I'm sure. Yeah. I know. I know. Now, you've been around the ultra scene for quite a while. And we're wondering if you have any thoughts into how we can increase female participation in ultras because it's still abysmal it's still too low and what what's the magic what's the magic answer what's the solution do you have any thoughts i don't know i i hope putting my story out there you started a podcast as well i think just showing your story that you don't need to be this superhuman to do it mm-hmm. hopefully someone said oh if she can do it i can do it as well like i don't have superpowers i'm a regular human being and i'm a pack of in the middle of the backpack or of the pack or even the last one but maybe i think i'm the last one because we're like five women in there <laughs> <laughs> the last all oh, the last the hundred miler we were like five women we just finished four or or three or I don't know like there's so few that we're you know I don't know I don't have the answer for that I would love for more obviously females I don't know I don't know I don't know why I said I I don't and I think also maybe 
I have a couple of client athletes that I coach that they are like, they're women and they're, Hey, why don't you know, they don't want to do a 50 K I'm just trying to, they, you know, talk them into because they do marathons and they run. And the first answer is, Oh, I can't, I can put that many hours in the training because mm. I get, I have a house to run. And I said, but you don't need to put that many hours. Like if you don't want to, like, that's why, that's why maybe I'm, I'm your coach. Like I can definitely work around the time. We, we can definitely, you don't need, when I was doing all these races, I've never put more than an hour a day until mm-hmm. maybe now. Actually, last 100 miler, that's when I bumped it up. But I've done more than 10 over without training over an hour a day. Right. You don't know, you don't need to kill yourself over. I just need to be consistent. And that definitely stacks up. Right. And, and that's it. So I don't know if that's what scares them or... And I don't know why, because we're so good at endurance sports. Like women, we're females, we're made for this sport. That's like, right. For, for us, like that's <laughs> where we belong. So it is, I don't know, it's, it is, it's my role and it's a good question. And oh, that's my dog. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know why. I, I wish I had the answer because I don't, I don't know. I have a couple of ideas, you know, some of my athletes tell me, but yeah. And speaking of your coaching, let's give that a plug. What's the name of the company? Yeah, it's called Run Strong Coaching. And you guys can find me there. All my training is personalized, tailored, made for each individual. I think we're all so different. Mm -hmm. And that's what it made so much different when I was, you know, looking for a trainer and looking for this lifestyle. That's what it was. When I I met these trainers, uh, when my coaches back then, they made all the difference. They showed right. me like the way to train, you know, because I didn't, and I still don't like running. So I thought, you know, I want to do the 50K because I want to do that, but, but you cannot send me to run hours because I don't enjoy it. Yeah. The most important thing is whatever makes you happy. Like you have to, you know, the plan has to suit you. Mm-hmm. So you're happy. So if you're happy, you're going to stay consistent. And that's where the magic happens. So I was able to do, like I said, many of my races, not training over an hour. I, I don't like running. So don't put me to run hours because that's not going to work. <laughs> I'm doing it until now, like six years later on the road, you know, but very much at the beginning, I was not into running hours and hours at all. Like I'm not, like I said, I'm not, I'm not a big runner. I'm not a fan of running. <laughs> you got to find what works for you. And sometimes that takes a little bit of time to figure it out. But you're right. Everyone is very different. He, very he, different. Can, he can run every day of the week. I can't do that. Since you've become an ultra runner, what have you learned about yourself through ultra running? Oh, so many things. <laughs> I think I've, the most important ones, I think, is to be able to talk to myself with patience. Because I'm not the most patient person. But I think if you are into these distances and you're not patient, you're going to suffer a lot. <laughs> if you want to be long in this ultra running world, you have to be very lo- like love yourself, self self talk with love. Just love your like talk to yourself with love. Because if you're too harsh on yourself, it's just go- it's just not going to work. Like oh, why you you know why you did why you DNF you know which that happened at the very beginning. With my first DNF, probably, I was so harsh on myself and I was just feeling shit. You know, you're not good enough. 
you missed it, you missed the car, you're not made for, you know, if you start talking like that and you're, it's, you know, it's not going to work. You're just going to fail and you're never going to try it again because no. you're going so scared of failing again and trying again. So I think when I changed that mindset of like, hey, you did great, you know, we can try it again. There's nothing wrong with it. And it's like, <laughs> not like talking yourself with a little bit of love again. And, you know, that changes a lot. And then patient because those miles at the end just go very slow. So you don't have patience. <laughs> a 5K, you probably going to take you an hour when usually it could take you 20 minutes. It's, it's a lot of patience and more in the desert when I just seen them, Jordan, like those 10K would take me three hours. And it was just so grueling to be like, I, you know, seeing the clock pass so slow <laughs> and try to keep your head cold and there, you know, without losing it. It's just, it's definitely a skill that I had to practice a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, why is this not moving? <laughs> And you're going to be talking about all this amazing year in your podcast. What's the name of your podcast? The Ultra Happy Podcast. And it's going to be a weekly, bi-weekly? Yeah, right now it's weekly. We're just going to be yeah getting ready for the challenge, the deserts together. So yeah, we're going to have chat and how I'm training. As I get closer to the race or started seeing the race, there's so many other components. Mm-hmm. Not a normal race, like a normal non-stop race. You know, you would usually just go to the race, do the race, come back. But this one is like permits and insurance and traveling more than, you know, a little bit more all over the world. And you have to be there two or three days before. And you need like hotels and, you know, the luggage. It's just a little bit different than the other one. So I thought, oh, you know, there's a lot of things coming and, you know, happening behind the scene that it will be so cool to share because I've been looking on YouTube and, you know, sources and I wasn't able to find anything. People was like, hey, this is what what you need or this is how you're going to get the permit or the permission or whatever. And I haven't been able to find it. So I thought, really? you know what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I will be sharing all that training and and all the kits as well. That has been my blowing. Like that, there's a lot of, of documentaries and things about gear. So... Mm-hmm. That I've been able to find, like how to pack, because it has right. a little bit of science in there. So, and I've seen like multiple ways to pack as well. So, yeah, I will be able to see, like, I've been looking at a couple of options. So, we'll see which one we like better. And, you know, I'll share it with everyone as well. Like, there was these three options of packing. I went for this one. Let's see how it goes. <laughs> That's, that's such valuable information. Exactly. Like your guinea pigs. <laughs> I mean, what's a trial? Try it. I mean, I have five races to try stuff. So, yeah, you'll be a pro by the end. We will all learn. I know that's what I'm saying to my husband. At the last one, I'm going to be like a pro in stage racing. <laughs> well, we invite all of our listeners to follow along in this epic journey. And we definitely would love to check in with you along the way. So yes. we'll, we'll stay in touch, but in the video, Norman will post all the links and where to find your coaching, your podcast and your Instagram so that if anybody cho- would like to support your charity. Um, charity, that would be awesome too. But before we let you go, we like to finish with some rapid fire questions. If you don't mind, it's just a little bit of fun. Okay. And since you went to high school in Canada, what was your favorite Canadian junk food? Oh, I can't even remember. No? 
Oh, hold on. There's Slurp, Slurpee? Slurpee? 7-Eleven. <laughs> Every 7-Eleven. <laughs> I don't know why laughing. <laughs> my school and my my friends. <laughs> no, it's a thing. It's probably American, but we, we've adopted it. <laughs> Would you rather run a long run on the treadmill or in minus 20 Celsius? Minus 20 all the way. <laughs> Absolutely. No, a treadmill will destroy my legs. <laughs> What's a TV show to say you're embarrassed that you watch? 90 Day. Oh, Fiance? What? Yay! Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I would do it. Everyone loves him. It's like a little bit of a guilty pleasure. It's not. We all so need fun. that. <laughs> <laughs> would you rather be a professional writer, painter, or musician? Painter. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Good one. Good one. I go running. I put those picture mind pictures in a nice yeah, painting. That's right. There you go. <laughs> Uh, what's another sport you'd like to excel in? Oh, I like CrossFit. It looks really fun. Hmm. The fact that you were a swimmer, I ever thought of being a triathlete. Yeah, that's that would be too as well. I don't know if I would say I would like to excel at anything because I think that comes with a lot of pressure. Hmm. <laughs> Maybe that does my swimming mind saying like, I don't want to be so good at anything anymore. Like it's a lot of pressure being up there. I just want to have fun and just be happy. <laughs> so <laughs> living up there is not fun. <laughs> <laughs> when you're running on the trail and you stub your toe, do you swear in Spanish or English? English. Yeah. <laughs> I've worn all the way. I don't know. <laughs> we have so like so many in Spanish, <laughs> but yeah, I think it's I was going to say, what would you say in Spanish if you stubbed your toe? Like, puta madre. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. We know that one. <laughs> or chinga, like chinga. But that's like when I forgot something or I got lost or I missed the turn or whatever, I'll be like, chinga. Like, <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Norm, final question. Pick a superpower that you would like to have. Invisible. Yeah, that's a good one. Ah, yeah. <laughs> that was a quick one. I kind of like that one. Yeah, I love that one. That would be super cool. <laughs> Spying on everyone. No <laughs> Good one. Well, thank you again, Tanya. We're wishing you all the best yep. for your oh, very first. Thank you so much, guys, for inviting me. It was such a pleasure. Yeah, it was great, but we'll definitely stay in touch because we'd love to have you on again. Definitely, definitely. We'll we'll come back. And perhaps a home-and-home home series. We come to you, you show us some of your trails, you come to us, we show oh my God. Yes, our trails. <laughs> well, you're coming to Cocodona, so, you know. Exactly, exactly. We got to get to know each other before that. We need to do some, like, training runs, and then that can be the... the the excuse there you go that's how we'll get to know each other and then we can spend then we can spend all this time on the trails in arizona (laughs) so exciting (laughs) all right thanks for your time cheers thanks guys bye Bye. (laughs) that was tanya carmona all the way from glasgow incredible year coming up for her oh man that is epic out of those five deserts, Jody, which one would you choose? Ooh. Mongolia, Jordan, Antarctica, Chile, Chile 
Well, I've only been to one of them, and, and that was Jordan. And Namibia. Namibia. I think I might pick Mongolia just because it's so remote and nothing like we've ever visited. I think I would take Antarctica. Would you? Strictly because it's the place you can only get to once. True. It takes two days by boat to get there. And then you're there and then two days to get back. Yeah. It's a trip that you'd only really do once. That's true. So. <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, I would like to go swim with the penguins. <laughs> you like to swim with them, eh? <laughs> do you think I'd be able to survive in that water? Uh, no. No. <laughs> not even a toe. <laughs> well, she definitely sounds like she's prepared in terms of the incredible base she has over the last eight years of consistent training, which really spoke to me when she said people are on a circle of training for a race, training for a race, do the race, and then take a big break. Yeah. We both do that. Because winter comes and we're just so depressed. Yeah. But, but and that's an excuse. And we always complain about, oh, it feels like I'm starting over, starting over. Because you are. <laughs> well, and she's right. If you kept a base, then yep. you wouldn't be starting over so much. And it wouldn't seem like such a big hill to climb, no pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, she's uh, doing all this for her charity in Mexico. The Indigenous Children needs your help. So please support. Links will be in our show notes. But before we go, we'd like to remind you, hey, if you enjoyed our podcast today, take two minutes and give us a review on whatever platform you're listening to. It honestly makes a huge difference uh, and it doesn't take much time to do that. So we're asking you, please leave us a review today. And if you feel like even going a step further, check us out on Patreon. And of course, providing you guys with the best content we possibly can. In ultra running for athletes and around the world. You got it. Until next time. Cheers. Bye.